Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Appreciate and that. Air of Yomatsmut, real air Yomatsmut. But uh, I hope you had a oh. meaningful Yomazikaron and a festive Yomatsmut. I certainly did. I take it as a very meaningful event. I think too many people took it for granted in the past, but I think this year many more people appreciated it, and I think the celebrations were more intense, even if they weren't more public, um, because people miss not being in Israel for a year. The anticipation of going back is so great. I can't tell you the number of calls we get of people just anxious to be able to go. And I think, uh, you know, you often, because it's there and because, you know, if it isn't an immediate danger, although there are real dangers around, that we don't think about it. We take for granted not just Israel, but all the things around us, our families and others, that you don't think every hour, every day, and we should. And we have to thank God for every bracha, every breath, everything that we that we received. And I think this year people felt um, felt the importance of Israel more than ever. I think because of the rise of anti-Semitism, because of many other factors as well. But the significance of Israel, I think, was more intense this year. Well, I hope you're right. I didn't get that feeling that uh, people who generally don't pay attention to uh, Israel Memorial Day and Israel Independence Day all of a sudden did this year. But again, I hope you're right. I also uh, think that among those that are uh, concerned about Israel and yearn for it and long for it and wonder the next time we'll be there, and please God, please God, we're, as we've announced on the air, we're scheduled to be there next month. We hope that that actually does happen. Uh, but I think there's a, a sense among uh, people in that category that I just described, that uh, in the end or down the road, Israel is going to be our only reliable place to be, our only reliable um, uh, country to count on. And I think that that's one of the uh, great uh, uh, fears uh, that is now going through and permeating in certain parts of our community, or I should say certain parts of many diaspora communities, uh, knowing that only a strong Israel is um, is is the great hope for our future. So I think that there's a uh, uh, a tremendous interest in many people in our community in celebrating this week and uh, appreciating the miracles. But I think the background of what's going on in this world and seeing how the most reliable countries are suddenly looking like they're going to be unreliable, I think that also has a factor with the way people are viewing Israel. Just one correction. You said, in the end, that's the problem. Too many people think of Israel as a place to go in the end. And what when we were davening every day, we, we asked to return to Yerushalayim upright, that we shouldn't be horizontal in a, in a box, but we should be going there when we still can contribute, when we can enjoy it, we can appreciate it. And um, uh, the, the significance, as you said, of Israel, for so many reasons, if anybody is realistic about the global situation and the domestic situation, you can't help but see Israel in a different light. Yeah, and I apologize for that. Unlike me to use that expression, but you're 100% right, uh, future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel, uh, not necessarily the end, even though we do uh, sometimes uh, uh, speak about, and I know this sounds harsh, but we speak about those who eventually do make Aliyah, but they make Aliyah in a box, as you just alluded to. Um, uh, but everybody out there has to uh, has to realize uh, the importance, the miracle, uh, h- how much uh, Israel is there protecting 
all of us, and I know that that's a stretch for some people, and a lot of people don't get it. People in Israel often don't get it when I say it, but we can live right now in the luxury and comfort of the diaspora only because of the secure state of Israel. Simple as that. So I hope everyone keeps that in mind during a week like this. Uh, what did you think of the uh, uh, of the sanctions announced by the um, President of the United States against Russia? They're pretty tough, and it's uh, certainly going to complicate his planned meeting with um, with Putin. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of justification for sanctions against uh, Russia, but you know, we have to be credible about the sanctions. If we, in fact, weaken the sanctions that's been proposed on on Iran, and people will not take the sanctions regime seriously. China's under sanctions. Others are under sanction. Uh, I believe that sanctions can be very valid uh, and effective if they're done right, but they have to be done seriously, and they have to um, be able to be sold to the to the recipients as well. And if, um, you know, many times people become more defiant because of it, not more compliant, and I think the, the uh, you know, the relationship with Russia is anyway a tense one, and the, you know, they, I'm not sure that they, their economic conditions are very bad, but I don't know how much they will uh, let the sanctions influence the policy decisions they make. They're becoming more aggressive, not just in the ways that were described for the sanctions, but in their activities. They, they look wherever America is pulling back. They try to fill the void, including with Iran doing joint military exercises, building bases in, in and their activities in Syria, their activities in Libya, their activities everywhere. Uh, you know, this is beyond where the czars got. And the you know the warm water ports, many of the the things that they have for centuries sought, he's actually quietly doing it as he did in the Crimea, as he took actions elsewhere, what he did in Georgia, and there was no action taken. So whether this is too little, too late, or whether this will really have an impact, we will have to see. Did the recipients have an official response? Defiance, obviously. But meaning he a public statement. They did, yeah. They, well, Putin, well, I don't think know that Putin did, uh, although I'm pretty sure he did. But others certainly responded with anger, and they'll retaliate, and they're going to impose sanctions as well. Uh, I don't think there's much that they can uh, sanction the United States with. Um, and in this one case, I think many of the Europeans will will probably go along. The question is, will they go along with the energy? Um, any sanctions on, regarding the energy which they're purchasing from Russia and are dependent on Russia, and Russia is working to make sure that they don't have alternative sources. They want Europe to be dependent on them, like Ukraine, so they can turn off the valve whenever they want to put the pressure on them. And people freeze in the winter because of that. Well, based on your initial response and then the way you just went through the, the list of things, it sounds like the as you said, the, the the list of reasons for the sanctions is legitimate. Is the entire list legitimate? Did anything bother you about his presentation just in terms of what he was uh, aiming to, in terms of why he was sanctioning Russia? Was the entire list of, of reasons legitimate? I, I didn't study it that carefully. Yet. I, I, well, what uh, I'm getting at, obviously, I is... I know. Yeah. The election. Right, exactly. So. I mean, is, right. is, is that a is that provable? Is that relying on conspiracy theories? Is that something that's you know? I would think it's something that's probably really unprovable till the end of time. Like I don't know if that's something that could ever be, you know, proven definitively. Is that? Well, we always hope they have intelligence that we don't have that that 
makes mm. it demonstratively true. Right, he true. didn't rely just on that. Um, I, I would right now prefer that we were tougher on the sanctions on Iran and really clamping down on Turkey and others that, that are doing stuff. The China certainly justified with what the, they're doing. And it's probably justified to do something. But, but you need a really comprehensive policy. You can't do just uh, isolated acts. There has to be a real vision and a, and a total policy, which there may be, but we have yet to see it uh, to, to really bring about a change on the issues that, that are concerned. The Internet is very dangerous. What Iran is doing there, what Turkey, what the, Russia is doing there, what China is doing there, the manipulation, and people don't know it because it's invisible in many cases. You don't know how much of the stuff you read, of, this, of the emails you get, of the, of the uh, breaches of systems, of the, uh, you know, how, how much uh, hacking is going on every day, thousands and thousands and thousands of times each day. And those things, there has to be some sort of international consensus and pressure. Uh, I'm waiting to see whether are the Europeans are really going to join and 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 back up the United States on these um, on these sanctions, which is really what assures their effectiveness. They keep telling us on Iran, right. you need we don't have the Europeans, and therefore it's not effective. That's not true. It's effective because no one can deal can do in the international commerce if you don't have access to the dollar and our, and the SWIFT system and banking systems. It, it is crippling no matter what. The Europeans are not companies are not going to violate American law, it, not because their countries adopt them or don't adopt them, because they care about what U.S. law and the sanctions that could be visited on them. If European countries, European governments, in fact, would have or, or, or eventually will uh, join with the U.S. on this, it probably would have been smarter for the president to wait till he had that type of support behind him before making this announcement, or is that not necessary? It isn't necessary, and, and if we wait for the Europeans, nothing will ever happen. Mm. We see, you know, we saw this week in France where Macron is backing off of all this tough language about fighting the Islamists and the terrorists, etc., and that Halimi, Mrs. Halimi, Dr. Sarah Halimi's murderer, yeah. blatant murderer, throws her off a, a balcony yelling, Allah Akbar, has harassed her and, and threatened her long before he murdered her, admits that he murdered her, and then gets off because he was using marijuana, and they said that he was not criminally, uh, he can't be criminally prosecuted because he wasn't mentally capable. I mean, and then he walks, and what's the message? We can kill, you can kill Jews, and nothing happens, and it's not the first time. And if France, and like the rest of Europe today, has no spine, is not willing to stand up to virtually any really critical issue. And the, so if we're going to wait for, for Europe, believe me, nothing will ever happen. Well, can you tell us about the uh, power failure at the Iranian uranium enrichment site? Yeah, I hear I, somebody by mistake unpulled a plug, <laughs> and uh, they had this uh, outage. This, this is a very significant um, achievement. And again, uh, Israel this time seemed to indicate that it was responsible, though they don't formally take uh, responsibility uh, they destroyed probably 60% of the uh, centrifuges and set them back, different estimates, uh, nine months, ten months, two years. That's what happens when a nuclear power plant loses power? <laughs> this was not a nuclear power plant losing power. This was either explosives or a cyber hack that set off a series of explosions. I'm, I'm, I've seen pictures of it. Uh, one of the officials from the Iran Atomic Energy Agency, the spokesman, 
uh, went to the site and fell into a crater that was 22 feet deep. Wow. And is in the hospital because of it. So the 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 likelihood is that there were explosives. As you know, Natanz has been the subject of attacks before, but this followed the installation of the IR-6 and even uh, supposedly testing the IR-9, which is 50 times faster than the IR-1 centrifuges, which means that they can um, break out in a fraction of the time before. Again, it's experimental, but now they're talking about putting a 1,000 into Fordo, a place that was supposedly closed, and I'm sorry. Hello. Yeah, you're on. Oh, oh sorry. Um, and uh, people saw the explosions from distance away. There were there were um, uh, pictures, so they couldn't very well deny it. And now the fact that they that some of the officials were admitting to the extent, and the people are mocking the government because of their inability to protect their. Their sites. I mean, Natanz has been hit twice. You had the assassinations. You had the other explosions that took place, and whether domestically uh, um, carried out or whether others had a role in it, it's the fact is that their security is ridiculous. It just couldn't uh, cope with the um, uh, with uh, the, these threats and, and situations. So. You know, we also see the battle at sea, where another Israeli ship was attacked. It doesn't seem that they did much damage. <clears throat> it was um, probably a drone attack, again, off the coast of the UAE in the in the Red Sea, in the Gulf. And, um, you know, this is escalating, because each time there has to be a response. The, um, it, so this is not a, you know, this is a very dangerous uh, situation. They keep threatening that they will strike at Zionist uh, targets. Um, you know that they've been trying to kidnap Israelis using Internet um, attractions of people, and especially women, writing to Israelis to, to meet with them. And then, of course, their goal is to, to kidnap them. And you have to see this, Nahum, in the context that there's an election coming up in a month in Iran. And while we know that the elections are not free and open, you could have uh, a rebellion at the polls. Mm. And this is something that is of concern to them because this next president will be a hardliner. The question is, is he a super hardliner or just a, a big hardliner? Uh, you know, the difference between Rouhani and the others is only that, you know, he dresses better. Mm. But the fundamental commitments that him, Zarif, and others, they know how to speak English and then they uh, probably took courses in charm. But uh, the fact is that they that they are very little different in, on the bottom line, and their uh, pronouncements about destroying the, the Zionist entity, et cetera, are, are not different. Uh, so the election is something that hovers over them as well. So you take all of these things together, you begin to understand the the significance. And if if in fact Israel or somebody else carried it out, they deserve uh, recognition. Israel was more forthcoming in terms of admission in this this time around, or you, or, or simply the reason their name was out there, uh, or the credit given to them was out there so early is because the media decided to do so. No, it was not the media that decided. It was there were statements. Why? Uh, why do you why alluding do you, to it? Why do you think now it's different that they're willing to? Because as a warning, as a warning to Iran, as, a, as that is what some say. Uh, as you know, Benny Gantz, the Minister of Defense, ordered an investigation about the leaks, wow. and 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 other leaks too. When the New York Times leaked uh, stuff about the previous attack, 
there is concern, as you know, Israelis don't aren't always tight-lipped about uh, certain things, and, and right. it has been in the past in regard to these kind of incidents. But uh, but there were statements made almost immediately, so that they were uh, putting themselves out to make sure that the message was clear that. As they did with the assassination of Harazadeh, the, the head of their nuclear program, you know, Israelis were giving details about the remote control gun or other things that, that uh, might have been involved. Because you are sending uh, a message. You know, they, they also, uh, Iran started testing nuclear-capable missiles again during this past week. So they're moving ahead, both on their missile development, on their weaponization, and on the uh, nuclear research and and advancing it so that they cut the the breakout time. The ETH, the European three, you know, France, Britain, Germany, did express grave concern about the sixty percent enrichment, which they say is for radio pharmaceuticals. I have no idea what that means, but I assume it has something to do with your show. And the uh, <laughs> that they that's why they say they need the sixty percent. Ninety percent is weapons grade. They are now at 20%. They're supposed to be at three and a half. Every move from, let's say, three to five is huge. Five to 10, massive. 60 to 90 is nothing. It's just purely a technical thing. And that's why people have to understand how fast they are approaching the, um, you know, the threshold. And at the same time, they continue to arm Hamas, Hezbollah, and others. We know that weapon shipments uh, go through Somalia and and um, through Sudan to Egypt to the, to to Gaza, and then uh, arming uh, Hamas and stuff and getting into the West Bank where the Bedouin smuggle them across the border through tunnels into into the Sinai, and then from there to Israel. Uh, so the, the the their aggressive behavior continues. And I think that the net result is that the Abraham Accords are going to be stronger, that they're going to look, those countries are looking more and more towards it, to Israel. Uh, and the fact that on, on Yom HaShoah you have commemorations in Bahrain and UAE and Morocco and other countries, and statements that are coming out are more or less supportive of, uh, more or less openly supportive of Israel. Although, as you know, everybody's very careful, treads carefully. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at Nachobzigal.com and the Network. We're going to go to the beloved NSN app. You know, during a week where we spent a lot of time paying tribute to, remembering, and, and speaking about the IDF, rightfully so, uh, such an important historic week, uh, you have based on this attack and the way you described it, meaning the one at the nuclear plant this week, you have to wonder about the level of uh, expertise that Israel now has among their cybersecurity soldiers and their cyber attack soldiers, because this is becoming such an important part of war or or prevention, frankly, of war uh, at the moment. And I mean, it is likely based on the way you described it. It is, I don't want to say likely, it's possible, based on the way you described it, that all of this was done remotely. All of this was done from a laptop, if you know what I mean. I know I'm exaggerating, but you get my point. No, no get... it, might, it may be true. Well. <clears throat> I mean, it seems to me that the explosions that I saw would not have been just by that, but it is possible because what happens with the centrifuges, they have a backup power system so that if did they have to be uh, cooled off slowly, you know, otherwise it shuts down, and when it shuts down and, and backs up, if it's shut quickly, uh, then you get an explosion. 
So it is possible that they did it remotely because they not only did they get the centrifuges, they they disabled the backup power system. Pretty amazing. I'll so it you. didn't go off. So, yes, a lot of this, it is, it is a new form of warfare today, but it's warfare against individuals, against corporations, against people we don't, don't even know. And having been taken into the dark web and seeing that thousands of anti-Semitic hateful websites being created constantly, Iran, the PA, others. You know, so you have state sponsors in this case, and you have then uh, unlimited numbers coming out of Europe, Germany, France, elsewhere. The, there has to be a total crackdown. There has to be real restrictions. It's, it's not easy. I, I acknowledge, and you know, you have all the free speech, et cetera, et cetera, issues. But this is this is really not does not come under that category, and um, uh, it's it's one of the reasons why the IRA definition is so important, and especially the examples about what is acceptable and not acceptable. And when I see even a, a supposedly Jewish organization coming out against the IRA definition because it's too specific, they fear that it'll limit criticism of Israel as if there isn't enough. Leeway for for people to criticize Israel, um, it's it's particularly upsetting and 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 outrageous. And we had several incidents on campuses this week where they rejected the IRA definition or just they they rejected the counter definition as well. But they um, you know we're not getting what should be adopted as as just an obvious expression uh, for for defense of of um, our free speech and of the. The rights of Jews that on two or three campuses just this week, including at NYU, that we did not get through. There are, thank God, many other campuses where they're adopting the IRA definition. That's the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance uh, definition. And every one of your listeners should be familiar with it and, and know and should be urging governments to adopt it, universities, public officials, and others. Because once you have a definition, if you can identify it, then you can fight it. If you're not going to agree on the definition, then everything goes, and especially on our campuses today, that is, that is true. Hmm. By the way, on the Halimi, uh, the Dr. Halimi uh, a murder decision that he won't, the killer won't stand trial because of the whole marijuana thing. Was there any reaction from from uh, I don't know members of the French government or uh, the reason I ask is because in this country now. Before there's even a trial, <laughs> there's reaction from public officials, attorney generals, and city council presidents, and mayors and governors about how outrageous you know certain decisions are, or how outrageous behavior was, and therefore it should lead to you know whatever decision in the end. Uh, was there, was there any reaction to the uh, abomination of justice that this guy in standing trial in France? There have been. First of all, we we uh, this is there's been. Uh, attempts, and we were involved. As we talked to French officials. We've been pressing them. We've been there. Have been public campaigns. The Jewish community in France has certainly been outspoken on it. And French officials, some of them have spoken out about the need to, to uh, uh, favoring prosecution of this individual. But this is already the last appeals court, so it's gone right. through various stages. In each stage, we saw the escalation of the likelihood that this guy could be could be exonerated or not exonerated, uh, not prosecuted. Right. Um, uh, and on um, each of those stages, we all were very active. I've met with the French ambassador here. I've met 
I spoke to officials in France on a regular basis, not just me, many other people too, because it's so outrageous. I, I have to tell you, this make my blood boil because this is exactly the reflection of what gives open license that you can kill Jews. There's a young boy, Halimi, if you remember, was killed and right. he was tortured. And it took a long time before they would admit right. that it was uh, yeah, uh, an anti-Semitic right. attack. I spoke at his funeral in Israel, and I turned to the Verjabas and I said, Jacques, drawing on that historic okay. reference. Sure. And I said, I accuse you for ignoring it. I accuse you for waiting 18 months. I accuse you for sending the message that this is tolerable, and this will only lead to more and more such cases. The French Jews there were, were like, shocked, and the French ambassador came up to me afterwards, and he, he embraced me, and he was almost in tears, or maybe in tears, because you got to stand up to this. This is a, a license to kill. And the, the fact that this 82-year-old woman is thrown out of a window, and he also yelled Shaitan um, Satan uh, in Arabic. This was, and he has had, had harassed her for a long time before. And we know of many, many such cases. The numbers of anti-Semitic incidents are continuing, and this year there were many, many more on the Internet because there was less public interaction. But the number of uh, attacks on cemeteries, synagogues, daubings, things like that, did increase the, even during the COVID year. Unbelievable. And, and, and I got to be careful how I say this because even in Israel we see, you know, attacks on Jews, obviously. It happens. Uh, but as, as these are going to continue to increase in the diaspora in different countries, including democratic countries around the world, people should not express, you know, surprise or shock because, as you just said, there's, it's always been like this, right? Jewish history, there's always been, it seems, certainly Jewish history in the, in the exile, there's always been a license to kill Jews. That's the way it is. And usually the people would not uh, be prosecuted for it, would not stand a trial for it. And here in 2021, we see exactly that. And if you think it's only happening in France, folks, if you think carefully, I could give you a bunch of examples. It may not be as severe as what Dr. Halimi went through, but I can give you plenty of examples of it happening in this country as well. And just look at the statistics for it, and, and, and knock on one other point, mm-hmm. and that is the fight over the PA getting the money and, and lifting the sanctions and not holding them while, while they continue to pay to slay. That's a message also, that we allow them to reward people for killing Jews. That's why the Taylor Force Law is important. That's right. why it's, right. it's not to deny people medicine or anything, because that's not what it's about. It's about one thing, and that is you're giving them the right to continue to reward people for one thing. And that is if you kill Jews, and the more you kill, the more you get. Uh, without the state of Israel, we would be so up. Uh, uh, we'd be finished. Yes, <laughs> we'd be up that, right? We, without the state of Israel, people have to realize what is protecting us, even in the diaspora, is a strong, secure, ready-to-stand-up-to-the-world state of Israel. Are we any closer to a government in the state of Israel? A government, um, <laughs> <laughs> a new government, not the government, right? Uh, uh, as of yet, no. And uh, in my conversations yesterday with people, I, I don't yet see the solution. I think more and more talking about a fifth election in September, which could create an anomalous situation because if they don't have a government in October, the deal with Gans goes into effect, so he becomes prime minister. <laughs> And so there are people uh, B, don't even that, understand that, all the weird. That's called benefits. that's called BB outsmarting himself without even right. realizing. The, the ramifications sometimes are oh, are just funny? incredible, you know. And everybody, people don't even talk about it now. I mean, yeah, what you prove is that you don't need a government. Well, we're lucky because in this era, we really don't. I think that's why you know God is having 
a little bit of fun with all this because, the, you know, at the beginning of the state, we talked about it on Yom Mud at the beginning of the state, boy, did we need leadership. Boy, did we need guidance. Boy, did we need someone who was able to bring everyone together and sign that document. Boy, oh boy, have you heard Mayor's description yesterday about what went into getting that document signed? And of course, I'm referring to the Declaration of Independence of Israel. Uh, but now, I don't know, maybe it's a blessing. Maybe we really don't need um, a, a, a full-blown in-control leader. Uh, in Israel, uh, you think Gidon Sar is ready to make a deal, or it's way too? Because we've discussed that, you know, don't expect much till Shavuos week because of the timetable, or it's way too early to speculate. It's too, too early to speculate on that. It's a question also whether the members of his party might just abandon him. He's been very adamant that he won't serve in the in Netanyahu-led government. Bennett seemed to have modified his stance this week. Um, oh, right, but, that's right. But as much as we joke about it, Israel does need a stable government. They have right. the COVID impact. The, the economy needs to be shorn up. Thank God they managed uh, remarkably. Uh, uh, the miracle continues, of uh, the economic miracle. But I think that they said they have a deficit of uh, $50 billion this year. And the, the, um, you know, the, the situation around them, you see Lebanon now demanding more from the maritime rights and People even know they don't even think about these negotiations. And at the same time, you know, when we talk about the rise of anti-Semitism, there's one exception in the world to it, one, and that is the Arab world, <laughs> where the country where anti-Semitism is being addressed seriously in the UAE, in in Egypt, in Morocco, in in the Bahrain, and others, where they, not only do they have Holocaust commemorations and changing their textbooks and the TV broadcasts. I'm saying it's a long-term process, and you can't erase decades of indoctrination. But the the fact is that that's where governments have really taken a strong stand and, and rebuilding their Jewish heritage sites and, and restoring some of them. Uh, we have, by the way, in Libya, just a report now that a very ancient synagogue is uh, scheduled to be given over to a Islamic religious center uh, in uh, Tripoli. And we should fight to restore and to maintain, even though there are no Jews. But this is part of the patrimony of the Jews who are forced to leave Arab countries, the refugee population that doesn't get UNRWA help. Who do you and, even lobby for that? Like, who, who do you even call for? Who do you lobby for that to, to see if it's uh, possible to... Well, the U.S. Has, has the U.S. Commission abroad. You have uh, uh, UNRWA, the um, UNESCO if they declare it a, a site, we, right. and most of all, just to the Libyan government, which is today, you know, very fractured and very tense because you had the two factions. They've created somewhat of a unity government, but the leaders are not necessarily very sympathetic. Uh, official, I mean, you you mentioned earlier about people calling you, and and we we've gotten emails just trying to connect people with some officials who might be able to help in terms of travel. I mean, look, if if Israel's really five weeks from now open to tourists, right? If it's really going to happen, which I'm assuming, based on the timetable that's being discussed in the Jerusalem Post and other sources, that it's really going to happen, then it seems if one is vaccinated or has proof or a test, etc., they'll be able to get into Israel. So I notice a lot of angst and anxiety right now, especially for those who have simchas and you know are desperate in the next four or five weeks to get to Israel. But after that, once the May, I don't know, 21st, 22nd, whatever date it was, once that arrives, should it be an open corridor between us and Israel? Not necessarily. It's, it's, they're talking about organized groups for May 23rd, um, and not just individual travel. And, you know, there have been glitches yesterday. They stopped the student travel because there were so many forgeries. People. Oh, my God, I didn't even know that. 
they we're stopped pay, it. We're paying for uh, forged documents to be able to get to Israel. And I, the price that I've heard the people paid was pretty extravagant. Um, so that they they put some restrictions now on student travel till they can address this issue of the forgeries. They they turned people around at the airport who flew in and they caught the forgeries and forced them to fly back. And I think some innocent people may have gotten caught in this trap as well. Wow. Uh, but so th- th- that's one thing. Uh, the, it's still unclear what happened on May 23rd, whether individual travel. But when people have symptoms and stuff, they can apply. Right. And now for the first time, I see the bottleneck is beginning. This week it began to loosen a little bit. And people who are going on Aliyah, not just going to visit, are beginning to, are being processed again. And that where there is a particular circumstance like elderly parents or a lone soldier child, uh, people are getting permission to go. It's not easy. They have to get these apostles and all sorts of things, which I believe me, I don't know what it is. But I know that it's, <laughs> it's more complicated because people are begging us to help them By uh, the way, if, find their birth certificate <laughs> or prove that they were born, right. uh, even though they're standing there. Uh, so I know it's it's somewhat complicated. I don't make light of it because people have missed really important life events, uh, children's weddings and, and uh, births of a grandchild and, and other such things. Uh, and it's really tragic. And I tried but it's you can't you can't break through in the government on the other side the consulate here has been really remarkable in trying to help i just hope they understand how significant it will be in a negative way if at the end of june the youth groups that normally travel to israel in the tens of thousands i mean it's not just them and and you know and and making sure they get that experience also i can imagine what those groups do for the israeli economy the drivers the guides the the restaurants everything that's affected by you know thousands of people coming into a country right and the burden falls on you know the government pays for hotel employees about 70 percent of their salary while the hotels are forced to be shut wow and so the economic burden is very great. And as you said, it's it's all the money people spend buying stuff. It's it, the ramifications permeate the whole society. Tourism is vital to every society. And if airlines cut back on flights, then and that that has all this has long term impact. I understand the need for restrictions. Israel's done an amazing job. They're moving towards herd immunity. Uh, hopefully that will be in effect. They can still have restrictions and testing and things like that to make sure to safeguard against people bringing in the new variants, which is is a scary thing to me. Um, but they have to open up. It's just it's really important that, as you said, the youth groups, and they will take, I'm sure, special precautions, mm-hmm. as with the camps here and others. The kids can't be locked up again. That's for sure. Uh, you ready for a stumper? We love stump- we love stumping Malcolm Honline. Do you give a Prost Israel to a BDSer? <laughs> so how, much, how, how much time the, do you have? The, the objection that Gallant raised is legitimate. I think if you if you honor with the highest award Israel gives to give the Israel Prize, this is not just a this is a recognition of the individual, right. which means it's the totality and not just some scientific. It's not the Wolf Prize for mathematics. Right. Uh, I do think that there is uh, a significant message in that, and that they have to know that you make a choice. You want to, to call for boycotting your own country to, to damage people's income, to harm the economy, then there is a price to be paid. Wow. Great analysis. Great analysis. And finally, Malcolm, I'm sure you saw this. There's a New York Times article where uh, 
Governor Cuomo once said about the holiday of Sukkot, these people and their effing tree houses. And I think that's outrageous, Malcolm. Who on earth calls a sucker a treehouse? Come on! But is it's it... a great idea, I think, now. That yeah, people maybe will, we will consider building their sukkahs <laughs> as treehouses. I mean, isn't hut the best uh, the best English translation or description of a sukkah? Wouldn't you say? Why would one Why would one go to treehouse for that? Come on! Well, because we do put the trees on the top. And, there you uh, go. <laughs> but I, I tell you, I think it was a creative idea, though, that you know people don't always have room for a sukkah. You, you start building tree houses. It's not as something to be made light of. I, I, again, I don't. We don't know the circumstances, but clearly, uh, you know, you can see a situation where you're sitting in a car and you said, "Oh, I have to do this." Yeah, I, believe me, I but, see it. It just it's the terrible. Yeah, but it still is insulting, yeah, and it's of course. it's. Um, of course. If it's true, it should apologize. It should yeah. just, you know, say it was a moment of frustration. It was tired. You, you can understand that. You can see or envision the circumstance in which it took place. But it didn't have to go. Nobody forces anybody to go and visit the, the Sukkah. I'm sure it was a fundraiser. Yeah. So so it was worth it for him. I think uh, people in general are just looking for apologies from him and tossing stuff out there until he starts to be a little bit more um, forthcoming with some apologies. So, and by the way, uh, the... Uh, uh, I can only imagine the halachic discussion about actually building a sukkah and a tree. I was once in Israel at, uh, uh, you know the place, I just can't think of the name right, right now. And Where they, they have, have the six sukkahs and they're they're on the su- a camel. Correct, that's what I was tell you, a sukkah on a camel, which is Gavaldi. Noga Ravani built the place. And, um, Oh, I, and I can't think of the name. It's near between Yerushalayim and Tel Aviv. Yeah. People, anybody who hasn't gone there really has to go because you will understand Tanakh in a whole new way. Hundred uh, percent. And I'll get the name and I'll remind the listeners we've spoken about it on the air. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great Shabbos to you and to everyone. Uh, Friday morning, JM and the AM. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays weekly update here at JM and the AM.